Amen. All right, church, so we just finished our series, uh, Summer School. We had like two parts to it, the doctrine of the Word of God and, and church history. And I always love getting into, uh, th- that was our second time doing summer school. Uh, the, the first time was two summers ago. Uh, so in our first summer as a church meeting regularly. Um, and I, I, I do truly enjoy that. But I always enjoy the start of a new series, just the, the prep work that goes into to, uh, working on a, a series and, and just getting it ready and, and seeing what, what God's Word has for us and what the grand scheme is, like what the, what the book that we're going to go through is all about. And we haven't been in an expositional series for a while that, where we're just working verse by verse all the way through that book. And I'm glad to be back in it. it. It really, like this week, it just it was so smooth, and it just, ah, oh, it's just refreshing just to read God's word at face value, just cruising on through. So that's what led us to the book of Jonah that we're going to be starting this morning. The series taken by grace. Now, how many of you all have heard of the story of Jonah? Kids, okay. Now, you kids who are raising your hand, all right. You take that hand and you get mom and dad's phone. Right, and you go, and we've got our video posted for you guys to go and watch. Uh, Mr. Josiah and his sister Kendall are going to tell you about Jonah and this fish, and I'm going to have a little bit of a lesson at the end if if you guys um, get there and you can enjoy that and spend some time in that. But the kiddos are going to be learning from a video what we're going to be learning about today, and that's the story of Jonah. This is going to be a six-week series where we're really just breaking it down nice and easy and seeing exactly what was going on in this book and in Jonah's life. So Jonah is actually the fifth book of the Minor Prophets. Okay, Not much is known or recur- recorded by Jonah or about Jonah other than um, here in Jonah, right? And 2 Kings 14.25, where it says, this is Jonah, the son of Amittai, right? That's all it says. That's all it gives us about Jonah. Jonah is also different from other prophetic books in that his book is all narrative and not so much prophetic, right? We see these, these prophets going and prophesying, right? That's why they're called prophets. But we get this minor prophet, we get uh, Jonah, and we don't really see that. We see much of a story about Jonah. Jonah is also historical, church, and we believe the events in this book to be true. We believe these events to be true. We have no reason to doubt that Jonah wasn't swallowed by a fish and then spit back out onto the shore. We have no reason to believe otherwise, nor should we. This is God's word for us. Jonah is also different as the book portrays Jonah, the prophet, as a rebel. So let's jump in, church. If you would, open God's Word to Jonah 1. We're going to be in the first six verses. It's crazy. We, we read about all these other prophets, and they're portrayed as these, these guys who are going and prophesying God's Word. And man, we look at them, we elevate them, we um, can almost idolize them, right? And some of their lives are like, wow, that's so amazing. And Jonah is just this, this different prophet. If you're there with me, you can follow along. Feel free to continue turning there. But Jonah 1, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish, away from the presence 
of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give, us, give a thought to us that we may not perish. Church, that's God's Word for us this morning. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, as we read Your Word and we come to Your Word, God, I pray that we would, we would be focused on Your Word this morning. God, I pray that as we begin this series, God, we would, we would not begin it as a fairy tale, as some, some story where you're just trying to, to tell us some cool or thoughtful idea, but God, that, that this would penetrate deeply, that we would find ourselves in the same shoes as, um, as Jonah. God, that we would see areas of our life where, where we do the same things. God, we would see areas of our life where we need to see the same change that Jonah faced. God, I pray that we would not dismiss Your Word because the world has told us it's a fairy tale. That as we approach it this morning, we would approach it humbly, looking at what You would have for us, for our good and for Your glory. God, that we would be changed and we would go to be a light in this world. But God, right now, it starts with how we view Your Word. So I pray that Your Spirit would move inside of us Pray that your spirit would, would help us to see your word at face value. Pray that you would sanctify us, God, that you would save sinners and sanctify the saints. Lead us. Thank you for loving us. Help us to put Jesus, your son, into perspective this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, church. Amen. Amen. So the main point we're going to look at this morning with this, these first uh, six verses is that God's plan is greater than our own. Amen, church? God's plan is greater than our own. And as we, we begin to, to look at this main point, that God's plan is greater than our own, we're going to have three supporting points that are going to drive that home as we're looking at this. Um, and we're going to look at the request that was given to Jonah. We're going to look at the rebellion, and we're going to look at the result. And this is going to help us to better understand that God's plan is greater than then our own. First, the request. We see in these first two verses where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So the word comes to Jonah. It meets him where he is. The Lord comes and he tells him what to do, he gives them this task. And that task is to go and to tell the people of Nineveh. So, sometimes we don't think, think about it until it's in front of us, right? But names, names matter. Right? We see some name changes in the Old Testament and we're like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, that's significant. But what's neat about this is Jonah's name, so the, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Jonah signifies a dove which is really what all prophets should be. You see this, this peaceful touch, right? They're prophesying, they're gentle, but they're, they're stern and they're sharing this word. His dad's name, Amittai, my truth, loyal, and faithful is how that would 
um, be translated. That's what his name means. So these words, these names specifically in Old Testament have so much value. Right? I remember um, Roger, uh, one of our, our members, if you don't know Roger, Roger talking to me about baby names all the time. Like, what are you going to name them? And I'm like, not that, not that, not that, Roger. That ha- does have great meaning, right? But um, I don't know like, how that will go now or like, what my child will think of me later. So I named her Ever, so I don't know what she'll think about me uh, with that. I named our other daughter Maylee, so I don't know what they're going to think about that. But there's no real significance or it's not very deep. But when we look at the Old Testament names, it's deep. See, Jonah, however, unlike the the name that he's given, unlike his dad's name, as the story unfolds, it'll show the struggle, Jonah's struggle with loyalty, faithfulness, and delivering the truth in a peaceful way. But God has a request for Jonah. That request, go to Nineveh and rebuke them. Go to Nineveh and tell them that what they are doing is contrary to the God who created them. That it's it's contrary to the very nature that we were created to bear because we've become children of grace and turned to children of wrath in hopes that a Savior would come and bring us back into the fold of God. Go and tell them that they've turned from me. So some history here. What was going on in, in Nineveh, right? Sometimes I, I got to check what's going back home in West Virginia. So surely we've got to figure out what's going on in, in Nineveh. See, Nineveh was the Assyrian capital. Nineveh was debatably the most militant and violent conquest empire. And the Jews had fallen victim to them in the past. So modern day terms, what God is doing to, to, to lay this out for us, it'd be like telling a Jew in the 1940s, hey, hey, I know your family has gone through this, this thing called the Holocaust. I know that they've, they've dealt with some trouble. But you need to go and tell Hitler and all the other military leaders that they need to repent. You need to go up to him and look him in the eyes and tell him to stop. I don't think that that would sit very well, right? I don't think that if someone came in and, and harmed my family in my home and got away with it, that it would sit well if, if Pastor Gary said, hey, Michael, you need to go say sorry to them and, and tell them to, or you need to go tell them that they need to say sorry and they need to repent because what they did was bad. That's a tough situation to be in. Now, now that is... That is the gospel, that those undeserving would hear the message of that which was undeserved, Jesus dying on the cross, and may receive something they could not earn, did not deserve, and could never attain on their own. But it still doesn't sit well with us when we have to go to our enemy. So this is what starts this process for Jonah, and we're really going to get into it later on in in chapter 4, so here in six weeks, right? But this is some context to, to what's going on here. Just seriously, church, imagine the person that you struggle to like the most and going up to them to extend a rebuke and call to change. It's not just walking up to them and saying, you suck. It's saying, you suck and you need to change. See, we can all tell each other how bad we are, right? Like I tell my enemy, I don't like you. The call here was for him to go and to tell them that, that 
to prophesy. This is the, the little bit of prophecy that Jonah was given to go and to tell them to repent. That great city, this big city, they're not great in what they do. They're big. They've got influence. Call out before it, for their evil has come up before me. This task has been given to Jonah from God, so it needs done. When God tells us to do something, we need to do it. The request from God is more like a command. But Jonah was given a request, and he took that command lightly, and we see him flee. What's the cause for this mission? God says, their evil has come up before me. This means that their cup is full. They're openly insubordinate to God, and it's in his face. Enough is enough. Revelation 18, verses 4-5, through John captures the same idea in the fall of Babylon. John writes, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. You all know like how, how we talk about people behind their back. Now, I'm not saying like we at New Hill Church have a club where we like to go and talk about people behind their back. What I'm saying is, is human nature, we like to just get away with the easy things and talk about people behind their back. We've all been there, all done it. Even the nicest of people, I've heard it and seen it. Myself included, we fall prey to this idea that we can talk about people behind their back. Right? You know, we, like we can say things about people as long as they're not around and it's cool, right? No trouble. And if you're the one being talked about, maybe you know that someone's talking about you behind your back. Like um, Luke comes up to me and he says, hey, like Aubrey talked about you behind your back. I'm like, I don't care. Like she didn't say it to my face, like whatever, right? Just try and let it go. You try your best, just let it go. But that time that it happens in front of you and people are around and people are watching, like, what? Then, like, Luke looks at me. He's like, you don't let her talk to you like that? You bet I'm not, right? And, like, we just, like, try and, like, get all, like, big. And, like, now it's a big deal because it's public and it needs addressed. Nineveh was living openly in their sin, happily in their sin, disobeying the Creator that created them and all things around them. And God said, enough is enough. Their cup is full. Their sin has come up before me. Just like in Revelation where, where John says that. He says their, their sin has reached as high as the heaven. That's, crazy. That's a crazy picture. Their sin has gone that high. That's this, church. We try and hide our sins from God. At least we think so. But they'll be exposed. You look at Adam and Eve in the garden. What they tried to do? They tried to hide from God. Nineveh, however, was acting in spite of God, and they were openly spitting in God's face. God says, no way. Jonah, go to them. Jonah doesn't go, church. Jonah rebels. So you see, the request is from God to go and to tell them that they need to change. And Jonah says, no. We see the rebellion here in verse 3, point number 2. But Jonah, so he's given this task from God. Not from a friend, not from a friend who said, hey, I think you should, should go and say sorry, or, or go and get them to say sorry and bake cupcakes, and maybe then they'll be sorry, right? 
No, God gives him a task to do. And a prophet does not misunderstand the voice of God. He understands it, and it says, But but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah rose to flee. He takes off. He takes off. He wants nothing to do with this. You don't have to tell people about, you don't have to tell the people of Nineveh about God's command if you're not in Nineveh. Like what Jonah must be thinking is if I'm not in Nineveh, God, I can't tell the people of Nineveh. It's a pretty simple thing. Aubrey's family, um, when we first came up to visit, I remember visiting specifically the Spees family. I hope that they're watching because I hate this game. Um, it's this game, like, while you're standing, and the, the way the rule works is, like, literally while you're standing, people can ask you to do things. So I remember, like, the first time going over and hanging out at the Spees house, and I'm, like, just casually walking back to my seat, and it's like, hey, Mike, while you're standing, can you get me a water? Oh, I got you! I'm like, I'll get you water. Like, what's this about? I'm on my way back. Hey, Mike, while you're standing, can you get me a water? Now I'm not liking this game. So then I'm sitting down, and one of the cousins pops up, and I'm like, hey, Johnny, while you're standing. And he falls. And I'm like, I don't understand what this is. Go get me a water. No, 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 no. As soon as you start saying, while you're standing, if they fall to the ground, you don't have to do it. It's the best game. Like, what do you mean? So then I try and become like the world's fastest rapper. And I'm like, Johnny, what are you saying? Give me water. And he still falls to the ground. And Jonah heard about this game that Arby's family plays. And God tells him, he says, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them about my word. And Jonah says, nope, falls down before he can get the request, right? Jonah does not want to give in. Jonah does not want to obey the Lord. So where's Jonah going? Tarshish. Now the interesting thing, you hear this, right? He's supposed to go to Nineveh. Church, say Nineveh. But he ends up going to Tarshish. Say Tarshish. Tarshish. Where is this? Church, it's in the opposite direction. Not only does he not listen to God, he flees the other way. Let me put it in the perspective. Jonah had 550 miles roughly to go to Nineveh from where he was. Okay, and, and literally, it's like this. So if Jonah's right here, he had to go here, right? Up here. But he decided he was going to go 2,500 miles this way. So instead of going 550 that way, he goes the other direction three, three, five times as far, right? Three times, something. He goes farther than he needed to go. The opposite direction. 2,500 miles the other direction way now we read about this we read about jonah and we think like there's some rebellion there no there's deep rebellion there church to what extreme will we go to please our flesh instead of the god of our salvation to what extreme now see it seems extreme to us that he would just not listen but he doesn't only not listen, he lives in the rebellion of his flesh to flee the other way. Is he fleeing from the mission? No. Jonah is fleeing from the leader of the mission, God himself. 
He is fleeing from God. It says there in that verse, verse 3, So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. It's gone beyond not wanting to go to Nineveh. He wants to get away from God. The very God who has called him, chose him for this task, has graciously loved him, even though we don't know about Jonah's life, for him to know the Lord and believe in the Lord is something to be accounted to the Lord. And he wants to go away from God. Jonah gets this task from God and calls the old ancient day Uber, the, the fishermen, right? These, these mariners, and he says, let's hit the road. Take me as far away from here as possible. Now don't think for a minute that we aren't Jonah. Because it's so easy to sit there and judge and say, I wouldn't go 2,500 miles the other way. But we live in just as much rebellion to the Savior that saved us as Jonah did. We are actually just a greater Jonah. We are actually just more disguised and better at our job of running from God in rebellion than Jonah was. Jonah's is obvious because we can read about it. Ours is not because we hide it. Because deep down, church, we hide and suppress God's will in our life. If you don't believe me let, me, let me talk about it for a minute. We don't talk to our church family about what God has laid on our heart because then we'd have to do it. So we run from it. Literally, we won't tell somebody that we have a passion to reach this people group or fight against this problem in our community because the moment that we talk about it is the moment that that person that we tell is going to say, hey, so how is that ministry coming along? How can I help you? And you're like, life's getting busy. But if we never say it out loud, our brothers and sisters don't know that we are living in rebellion, but we are undercover rebels living in denial. We too take these requests from God and rebel. Share the gospel with your neighbor. Maybe you know that neighbor that you know just does not know the Lord. We hear that and we sit in silence. Maybe God has, has placed on your heart to take that $10 that's in your pocket to buy that person a meal that you see sitting there and you know is hungry. Right? You don't do this all the time, right? That something like you, you just grew up with. I don't, I don't always feed somebody every time I see somebody because I know there's a ton of people in need. But maybe that day that God really lays it on your heart to buy a meal for them, buy a meal for yourself and sit down and share the gospel. It's evident that God is telling you to do that that day. And we do nothing. We go and instead make ours upsized to a large meal, and then we've only got a dollar left and we can't really buy them anything. God should have given us 15. God's maybe calling you to start a ministry that involves something you already do and enjoy doing. You're already doing it with other people. It'll just require you to be intentional and in opening up the Word and fellowshipping about the goodness of God and the need for Him in our daily routines. And then we say we're too busy but all it requires is being intentional. See, we may not see this in one another, but church God does. We may not want our fellow brothers and sisters, church family, to see these things that God's laid on our heart because then it will expose us for the rebellion that we're living in instead of 
holding on and clinging to the grace that is only found in God, clinging to one another and going and living and delivering the message that God has told us to deliver. Jonah looks like a chump. But if God poured my heart out to all of you right now, Michael Meadows would look like a chump. Because I too live in rebellion of God in these moments. And our prayer and our hope is that the Spirit that lives inside of us would call us out and rebuke us from that. That our brothers and sisters would know about the things that, that are being laid on our heart. That we'd be open with one another. That we would do life together and be challenged and go to challenge. But instead, we want to hold things inside and talk about the Jonas of the world being the problem. But we too, church, often live in rebellion. We need to overcome these things and we need to quit pointing the finger at the Jonas. Where it's so open and it's so obvious that Jonah was in rebellion. But we too, church, have to fight against this rebellion. As long as we are in the flesh, this is a battle. It may no longer be over your soul, but it's over the souls around you that God has called you to witness to. Sometimes that's being stern and going and delivering a harsh message that Jonah was called to do. But church, we do not get grace and mercy without first talking about wrath. They're going to be uncomfortable conversations. But I'd rather have that uncomfortable conversation with somebody who needs the grace than to go and have this conversation with God who gave me grace and Him say, why didn't you do what I told you to do? And me say, I don't know. Because all He's going to say is, you, Michael, were living in rebellion in that moment. Church, and the crazy part is, is there is a result to our rebellion. This is what we need to hear. There is a result from our rebellion. Third point is result. The result of that rebellion. See, church, our recklessness puts other people, those around us, at risk. For Jonah, the obvious is the sailors. The not so obvious is the damnation of the people of Nineveh. He brought a storm upon these mariners. But by not going and sharing the good news that they needed to repent and quit acting that way and that they could find hope in God and the coming Messiah, He was putting their souls at risk. Jonah was given a simple task. And while we cannot save people, church, we can deliver the good news to them. And Jonah refused and therefore put these sailors at risk. Verse 4. Thinks he's getting on a boat. Thinks he's getting away from this situation. Thinks he's running and going to get away from the presence of the Lord, playing some hide-and-seek. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. So they're pagans. They're crying out to whatever God they can. They're crying out to their gods, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Their ship is about to break. They're throwing everything over. They're worried. They're praying to gods they don't really believe in. Where's Jonah, this prophet of God? Where is he? But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. 
So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. They don't know about Jonah's God, but they know that they've called out to everyone that they can, and none of them are answering. They know that this raging storm is is a result of something that has happened. And they're fast asleep. Kind of reminds me of like the musicians on the, the Titanic, right? It's just like ships sinking and it's just playing away, right? I guess gotta get your paycheck somehow. But it also remind, reminds me of, of myself, because church, I too live in rebellion. Reminds me of myself after the tornado, right? The tornado passes by that we had back in, in April. We're fine. No trees came through the house. Thank God. We'd been down in the, the basement. We, we come back up and we decide, you know, with the winds and everything, we've got a lot of trees on our small lot. We're just not going to sleep upstairs in case a tree comes through. I remember laying there, snuggled up to Maylee, my oldest, or snuggled up. And Aubrey kind of stands up and she goes running down to the downstairs and I'm hearing water pour in. And I know the sound because I dealt with it before. The, the sewage backs up, but the sump pump tries to push out, and so then the sump pump water has nowhere to go, so what it does is it comes out uh, the, the nozzle for the washer. And you just hear it going splat in the floor. And the sump pump is just getting all kinds of rain. It has nowhere to go, and it keeps going, and keeps going, and keeps going, and keeps going. And I know what's happening. I'm like, but if I stay asleep, then I don't have to deal with it. And I remember Aubrey coming up, and it was dark in the room, but it was bright in the living room, and I just see this shadow. Mike. Mike. If I keep my eyes closed, she won't. Mike, there's water coming into the basement. Ah, i got to go deal with it. Jonah gets called out. What do you mean, you sleeper? Call out to your God. They don't know who He is. This man is just paid the fair to get to Tarshish. They don't even, somehow they know he's, you got to be religious in this time, right? That's what they're thinking. Perhaps the God, your God, Jonah, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Church, what does our reckless rebellion result in for those around us? What kind of mess do we drag those around us into when we do not live in obedience to our Savior. Church, it, it could be temporal, it could be something that we visibly see, but what we don't see is there's a spiritual storm where, where we feel like we can sleep like Jonah. Everything's taken care of. We know that we're saved, and the rest of the world is living in chaos while we're sleeping. It may not be physical harm we bring upon our neighbors by not sharing the good news, but it's eternal damage and eternal separation from God. And those living in open rebellion, church, we need to graciously carry the message to and say, I too have to fight against the rebellion. But the only way to overcome that is through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, this is just the beginning for Jonah. 
We're going to read a lot more about Jonah, but, but this sets the foundation for what was going on in Jonah's life, is that he was requested to do something for God and lived in rebellion. He acted out against the God who had called him, and there was a result. There was consequence to the way that he was living. Church, we too face consequences for our sins, results because of our actions. My question for us this morning is, what is God calling us to do? Specifically, we talk about evangelists all the time. Well, I'm not evangelist. I can't share the gospel. If you've been saved by the good news of Jesus Christ, then you can go and tell about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if you've experienced that joy, then you have joy to share. You do not have to be a theologian You do not have to be a a student in seminary. You do not have to be super well-read. If you've experienced the joy that is found in Jesus, then you can go and share that joy. Because church, what that joy talks about is that we are sinners living in rebellion of the God who created us. That we are hopeless without Him. That He sent His Son to die for us. And that if we believe in Him we would have everlasting life. But if you don't believe in Him, then you are eternally separated. Who is God calling you to share that message with? Because where it starts to get a little sticky for us is we don't really want to go to that person. We don't really want to open up that can of worms that sharing the Gospel may bring. But church, it is a message that not just Jonah's been called to carry, but each and every believer, that we would go forth and we would make disciples of all nations, making disciples that make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the good news that we would go and share. And there's no way out of it. There's no way of hiding. There's no way of running from the presence of the Lord. But we can take the presence of the Lord to those who do not know Him, by faithfully proclaiming the message that we've been given and pray that God would help them to receive that message and that they would be saved. But church, it's time to quit living according to our own plan because God's plan is always greater than our own. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this morning, this time in Your Word, and I pray that that each and every person here this morning is just challenged by Your Word as I am. That this Word would really hit home for us. That we would see that, that we do live in rebellion to You. Maybe you've, you've, you've saved whatever person's feeling these feelings. God, we need to quit living in, in rebellion. Your Spirit is convicting us, and if not, we've got a a problem. God, if, if we're not doing what You've called us to do, God, I pray that Your Spirit would just really, really convict us. God, that the saints would encourage us. God, that, that we together would encourage one another as fellow believers, as fellow ambassadors of the Gospel. God, I pray that we would be challenged not just to go to to those who look like us, talk like us, act like us, but God, we would take 
the good news to all of those around us, those who live and look differently than we do and believe and vote differently than we do. Because every person, every person needs to hear the grace that is found in you and you alone. Father, I pray that we would continue to be challenged by this this word this morning, your word. I pray that we would continue to dive into this book. God, that, that we would begin to discuss and open up discussions with one another about ways we need to do better. Because God, people are going to hell and you've called us to tell them that and to point them to the hope found in Jesus. We love you, Father. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.